This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Green and White, brought to you by Argyle Life. A good Friday, coupled with a bad Monday, sees Argyle struggle to three points from a possible six. A 3-1 win over Derek's Morecambe and a 2-0 defeat at home to Lincoln, sees Argyle somehow still occupy second place in the table. I'm still annoyed from today's performance, so joining me this week to talk a little bit more sense is the usual trio. Joe Bell, how are you? Uh, yes, hello Aaron. <laughs> Sam Down, all good? Hello, good evening. Okay. And child star of the Teletubbies, John Alsop. Please tell us more. Oh, for goodness sake. Uh-oh. Were you the son? <laughs> no. Um, no. I was in uh, the, the the belly. Uh, you know, they used to have the, the videos in a bit like the Argyle big screen, but on the Teletubbies stomachs. Um, mini documentaries featuring kids. Uh, I was in two of those about uh, drug rings in the Netherlands. No, about uh, hermit crabs and shrimps at uh, the beach near where I grew up. Is that that you were talking about shrimps, John, as we'll be talking about them later? Actually, let's talk about them now. Let's talk about, let's start with them. Shrimps and imps, in fact. You've stolen the, uh, the pod title there. Uh, let's start with the game of the most positives of the two, let's say. Obviously, the longest away trip of the season. Good Friday's trip to Morecambe. Damn, as you were among the thousand-odd at the Mazuma, uh, how about you run us through the 3-1 win first? Uh, yeah, gladly. Um, the first half was pretty poor. Uh, Morecambe took the lead early on. We had a lot of sterile possession where we sort of had, had the ball but didn't really do anything with it. It was a very underwhelming first half, and I think Morecambe went in probably rightly in the lead. Um, start of the second half looked a bit more energised, but still weren't weren't really finding any clear chances. Uh, we we made a lot of subs in quite a short space of time, and we looked a lot better 
Um, Danny Mayer equalised with an absolutely fantastic goal. I'm sure everybody's seen it on social media, even if they weren't there already. Uh, picks the ball up in his own half, takes four, does a little one-two with um, someone or other. I can't remember who he does the one-two with. Uh, Mikel Miller. Does a lovely little one-two with Mikel Miller. Uh, gets inside and just curls a shot in from 25 to 30 yards into the corner. Fantastic goal. And the other goals were all prompted by subs as well. The second goal was a superb. We went to a much more direct style. A much more high pressing style. Uh, Jay Matete wins the ball back through his superb pressing, and 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 um, then gets and then gets forward and crosses it in for Ben Wayne, who just has that lovely little second movement, not just to kind of get inside the defender, but then to get ahead of the defender as well, and, and to then be perfectly in the position to guide it into the net. And the third goal was also again substitute, absolutely amazing ball by Callum Wright on the counter, weighted inch perfectly to defeat Jay Matete. Who, who then shakes up, um, gets his body at a good angle and, and slots it into the net past Connor Ripley. Uh, again, three great goals, three goals all about the substitutes. Um, yeah, three goals by substitutes, two assists by substitutes. Um, just, just a fantastic um, last sort of 20 minutes of the game. Much, much better. Uh, and I think probably just about a deserved win in the end. Five changes going into that one. Uh, Galloway, Cosgrove, Miller and Butcher and Tyreek Wright all coming in. Did any of those manage to impress you enough to demand regular starts, Joe? Um, probably not, because we were more effective when the substitutions were made second half. I felt a little bit sorry for Tyreek Wright on uh, Friday, if I'm honest, because I thought he was given a thankless task um, playing the role he was in, given how we played in that first half. Um, I think you can probably describe Mikel Miller as a spirited player, um, but you, you really do lack a, a, a final quality with him. Um, wasn't the day for Sam Cosgrove. Galloway, we know, is is capable when he's fit. Um, and actually, I thought Matt Butcher had a half-decent game on Friday, to be fair. Um he he's probably the one, but I don't think we'd really be talking about Matt Butcher as warranting a place in the starting lineup given he was recent he wasn't too long ago voted player of the month for the month just gone. So um yeah. Yeah, much much like Wembley, obviously three minutes is all it took for Morecambe to go ahead with uh Jensen Weir breaking through from our own corner. Uh, something that will happen again on Monday's game against Lincoln, but we didn't know that at the time. Um how have we become so inept? At defending, let's let's talk about how poor we were in the first half first. Yeah, um, goal was a counter attack from the court from our own corner. Funny that we'll uh, I'm sure we'll come on to that happening again uh, later in the pod. Just Edwards completely misjudged the flight of the ball, let the man get in behind him, and Dan Crowley uh, puts the ball across for um, Jensen Weir to score. Um, just got sucker punched on the counter attack. Um, James Wilson had a very poor first half. He just got done for pace time and time again. Uh, La- you know, he's never been the quickest player, even even last season. But I think it doesn't help that I think even since last season, from from already not being quick in the first place, he, he sort of lost an extra yard of pace. And I think his decision-making, which has all been so good that he could read the game in front of him and just see what was going to happen to prevent that, and he still can do that at times. I'm not saying he's suddenly gone useless overnight, but in a few games this season, certainly in that Morecambe game and in the Lincoln game, which we'll come on to, he just didn't anticipate well where the ball was going. 
didn't make the right decisions, dived in recklessly and got skinned, let players in behind him and, and was just caught on the turn too many times. So, yeah, poor defending. I think Galloway, Galloway did defend well at Morecambe. Nothing really much came down the left side. They really targeted our right side. Scar was okay, not not really anything like his imperial best he can be, but he was yeah, he was he was kind of okay. Uh um yeah, just l- lack of protection from, from the midfield. I think Butcher did fine, but um Houghton had a had a poor game at Morecambe, didn't didn't really track the runners very well from midfield, didn't screen the defence as well as what he, he sometimes can do. Um yeah, just just not good enough not good enough defending all round, uh, I'm afraid. Uh, and again, far more of an issue today, but we'll come on to that when we come on to it. Yeah, yeah. And how early is too early to go the away end? Personally, I was a big fan of Jensen Weir uh, giving it large in three minutes in, but I know that that would have riled a few up. Well, it, was just, it, wasn't, it wasn't actually Weir, it was Crowley who did that, but yeah, it's just it's, it's silly, isn't it? Just save, save that kind of thing for when it's full-time, otherwise you make yourself look an idiot like you did. I've got no problem with it. It's all it's all part of the fun and games. Everyone has a laugh, don't they? We we give it back to players, they give it to us. But I just think you're just shooting yourself in the foot by doing that, really. And and so it turned out to be. And to be fair to them, Morecambe are not going to be playing in front of any away fans next season, so they're going to make the most of it while it lasts. I don't get that joke. Sorry, because they're going down, Sam. Oh Jesus. right. Well, there, well, there are, there are away fans in League Two last I saw. The first relegation in their. History in their history, yes. What a top stat that is! That is impressive. That's impressive. Um, but likely, like they might stay up. They got a good point today. Um, Houghton was named in the starting lineup again. Yeah, what, what does he need to do to start changing opinions? Like, what, like, how has he become our worst midfielder? Why is he so poor? He still has some good games. Um, he, I, I, I can't remember. Which of the games? One of the home games. He was. He was really. I, I, I possibly. I think Charlton. He was really good. I, I could be mixing up my games, but he still. He still has some good games. Um, I just think he. He just seems to have a bit of a pressure problem. He. He seems to be a really, really good August to January player, and then when when we kind of get to the critical end of the season, when 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 the crowd's a bit jumpy and when the the big games and the big attendance games come into play, he seems to make more errors and he just seems to be a bit overawed by the occasion. I think, like, like I've said many times, I'm at the risk of repeating myself, what I've said before on the podcast, he has all the tools to be an excellent player for this level and, and maybe even a passable player at the level above. He just doesn't use the skill set he's got well enough. And I think that was an issue on Good Friday at Morecambe. Somebody that somebody else that doesn't use his skill set well enough on often enough, obviously Danny Mayer's first Need goal in 14 months, as you've already mentioned, Sam, an incredible strike. Why is he not showing that more often, Joe? Um, good question. Um, only he will know. Um, he needs to do more. Um, I think we'd all agree with that. Uh, I still believe that the fan base's attitude towards Danny Mayer revolves around the ludicrous comment the previous manager made that was never going to be justified. But... He's got close a couple of times this season trying that exact thing, hasn't he? Where he cuts inside, drops the shoulder and gets a shot away. Um, I didn't expect it to go in. I thought he was going to go wide of the post. Glad it snuck in at that far post. And that really gave us the impetus. And as Sam said earlier, you know, we we really carried on. We we took the game by the scruff of the neck and there was only one team ever going to score again. And it, it wasn't Morecambe. Uh, so... 
He needs to do more. He needs to be involved more. He needs to be more proactive. He's probably the one player we look at in the side to take the game by the scruff of the neck. Fortunately for us on Friday, he did that. And while we're on the topic of Danny Mayer, with his contract up at the end of the season, do we think that he's deserving an extension to that deal? Or, or does that depend on what league we find ourselves in? I would offer him an extension. Um, I think he's been the man of the match at our our last two games. Um, I think today, and I know we're not really officially discussing today yet, but I think he was, he was our only uh, good player today who constantly put the ball in the right areas. Um, on Friday, he was superb off the bench. Um, and I think the other thing you've got to look at is our record with and without him starting. I know that doesn't fully, you know, make the case in itself because obviously sometimes coincidences happen and causation is not correlation. But our points per game with him starting is so much better than without him. Um, I think he's very much used to play for certain games. I think if we go up, he will help us in just moving the ball that 10, 15 yards up the pitch because I think the, the game I always come back to, and you've probably heard me mention it for regular listeners, probably on about six or seven different podcasts, is that Ipswich game. That first hour, we really went toe-to-toe with Ipswich, and I think not just matched, but even actually slightly bettered them that first hour. Then when Danny Mayer came off, we lost control of the midfield. Should he be doing more? Yes, absolutely. I don't think of one single Argyle fan, apart from maybe you know his family, who, who don't think he should be doing a bit more. But what he does... It's something, and I'm not saying he should start every game because there are some games that are not so suited to him. But what the stuff he does do, particularly in the big games, is stuff that we really miss when he's not playing. So I think, yeah, absolutely, whichever league we're in, whether it's League One or Championship, I would absolutely look to offer an extension. Would I offer him an extension as like the star man, best played player? No, but I would offer him an extension that reflects that he's a very valuable rotation player to us who starts at least a large proportion, if not all the games. And I think what we offer him should reflect that and hopefully he'll accept. Realistically, I think it's more likely that he'll he's he'll kind of say that he's he's done his four years here now and he will go back up north. But maybe I'll be wrong on that. He'll wave he'll wave goodbye, I'm sure, if he does, Sam. Um yes. <laughs> I th- this is a an in joke about Sam's tendency to think that players who might, who are rumoured to be leaving clapping the fans at the end of the game as normal is them waving goodbye. Um, just as a quick I was aside, right when it was Diagaraga. I was right when it was Diagaraga. Just you, you were about three games too early when it was Diagaraga, but yes, you were eventually right. Um, <laughs> I, I, have said with, I have said with Mayer that if we go up, um, and, and to be honest, even if we stay in League One, I probably wouldn't offer him a deal on his current terms. I think what I would offer him is a reduced deal to say you're not going to be a first team player, but you know we'd love to have you in and around the squad. You'll definitely get some game time, um, and. You know, this this probably realistically for you, is if we go up, is your last chance to have a crack at the championship in your career. Um, you know, obviously, if he decides he wants to go back up north to be close to his family and, and get more money playing for, you know, Salford or someone like that, um, then I think we, we just say fair play, shake hands for the great service he's given the club in the last few years. I, I just think as good as he is and as, as, as adept as, as he is at getting us up the pitch in particular, I think his end product, that Morecambe goal aside, and the Morecambe goal is almost the exception that proves the rule right, is is just not consistent enough for a player that you're going to want to be starting in the championship every week. He's not young enough to really have a, a ton of potential to grow into the championship, in my view. So so I'd like him there, but, I, but I'm conscious, you know, that we'll have budgetary constraints. And I just think that we don't necessarily have a lot of room for sentiment with that. So I, I'd probably say to him, yeah, if you want one final hurrah at the championship, please sign this, reduce deal. We'd love to have you around. You're an experienced player. If not, it's a parting of the ways for me. And I think even if we stay down, I'd probably be inclined to 
to do roughly the same thing. I think we we may be in a position next season where we need to transition one last season in the squad. Um, but yeah, I, I would like to have him around. I think it would need to be on our terms, though. Yeah, you say that though, but obviously Schumacher is very uh, keen to rotate as much as possible. So even if he is a squad player, he's basically a regular starter at the same time. So I think I think we we should offer him at least a year. But like you say, obviously if he's if he's given more money at Salford or Stockport or you know Wrexham or whatever, yeah, you know, fine. We're still leading the EFL charts on goals from substitutes this season. Now up to twenty one, I believe. Ben Wayne adding to that tally after coming on. How much of an impact did he have from the bench and what do you think of calls to start him ahead of Hardy? Joe? Very selective on who you've asked this question to, aren't you? Um, <laughs> well, we, we know that you're a loyal Hardy backer, so just just wondering if that view has changed at all. I am, um, but he needs to start scoring. Um, in terms of Ben Wayne, I think he brings a lot of energy. Um, That's very fickle, Joe, if you, if you don't mind me saying that is... Very, very fickle. What happened to what happened to loyalty? You'll find yourself in podcast jail again, John. And you, I think you'll you find you're the there. one criticizing the team, Joe, and the, and the players in it. You, you, you have very negative experiences from that. I'm just looking at a, a, a poster of Rishi Sunak with "Does Joe Bell believe that Ryan Hardy belongs in the starting eleven? No, and then your signature underneath it. That might go over a few heads. Anyway, carry on. Anyway, back to the topic in hand of the Wayne train. Um, I, I still think. You know, he he needs time. I don't think we should be throwing him into the starting eleven. Um, you know, I understand why Schumacher is doing it stage by stage with him. Yes, okay, he runs around a lot and he puts himself in positions to block balls and it was a lovely finish on Friday. Um, I think we shouldn't get carried away that, you know, we are in a promotion race here and perhaps a tried and trusted route isn't always the worst idea. Um, even if we are making about half a dozen changes every week. Uh, John, have you boarded the Wayne train? You want me to sing the song, don't you? No, 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 we've already got just, a cut. Just ask me to sing the song. Have you boarded the Wayne train? I was actually on a real train when he scored, so I should try listening to more games on, on the train, um, because I, I believe I haven't listened to an Argyle game on the train all season, actually, and then obviously I do for the first time, and... Um, and he scores. It has to be more than a coincidence. Um, yeah, I wasn't at the Morecambe game. I just mentioned that I was on an actual train. Um, but it sounded like he did well. Getting a little bit ahead of myself, but I will sort of mention his performance today against Lincoln when he came on. I thought he was good. Um, you know, I, th- I thought in a, in a performance which we'll come on to in which many people disgraced themselves, he was one of the brightest sparks. He ran around, held the ball up really well. I think he's definitely looking like an upgrade on on Jeffcott in terms of like a, a striker for striker replacement in the current squad. I think his approach play and the way he puts himself about his pace, he's a real nuisance for defenders. I think what he does obviously need to work on is his finishing. Obviously, his finish against Morecambe was a, was a poacher's goal. I think he's clearly got that in him. He did have one miss today where it wasn't an easy chance per se, but he did lean back and scoop it over the bar and it was a presentable chance and we needed a goal. So I, th- I think he's got to work on that. I actually would start him on, on Saturday. I think Hardy needs to kick up the arse. Um, you know, this is a, a Ryan Hardy trait that we've discussed and that we know and love on this podcast of him going for several games, looking like he can scoop in a finish from 30 yards with the outside of his foot. And then we'll go through a few games, you know, missing chances that your grandmother would uh, would score. Um, obviously, he's done a lot for us this season in terms of statistics. I think for me, this is one too many times where we've come on or had to come on a podcast and say, if Hardy had scored that chance at 0-0, it would have been different. I think it's the third time this calendar year 
alone, and it was a really bad miss. Um, he just doesn't look in form. He doesn't look confident. He's not getting in games. I think Exeter will expect us to start him as well. So for me, I think I would probably go with a Wayne Cosgrove front two against Exeter and try and put the cat among the pigeons there a little bit. He is ultimately a great option to be able to, to bring on. And, and of course, you know, in order to prove me wrong, he'll he'll start on the bench against Exeter, come on and score two goals in a, a late 2-0 win, and, and we'll all be in love with him again. Well, I, th- I think that would be proving you right, if anything, because that would, that would result in giving the kick up for the... Uh... I think I'll use the word backside as we're a family-friendly pod rather than the word John used. But yes, uh, I, I, I would agree um, that that would, that would actually prove John right, if anything. Um, yeah, Wayne. Um, and good. usually right, yeah. Uh, yeah, well, you know, good, 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 good little run in the team. He is uh, not suited to a one-up front. Uh, he, well, I, I think we, some of us have made jokes before that he kind of plays a bit like a golden retriever. But he's always sort of bounding around enthusiastically, but not really actually... <laughs> Doing much useful, but he um he. In, I believe I believe I believe what I said after the game today was he plays like a golden retriever and finishes like one as well. Well, yeah, his finishing today wasn't great, but but I think generally he's looked more involved in games and more threatening in a two up front than in a one up front. But he can become isolated and he can just be be a little bit out of the game. Uh, he 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 was good not just in the goal, but I think he's used the ball better. Pressed in the right areas uh, at Morecambe uh, t- today, should have probably had an assist for Codsgrove, literally the very last kick of the game. It would have made it 1 2, so it wouldn't have actually changed the outcome. But Codsgrove would just blatantly held back, but the referee decided that because, you know, it was the last kick of the game, he couldn't be bothered giving a free kick. But Codsgrove probably would have gone in one on one pretty centrally with the keeper and had a very good chance to score from, from a good bit of play by Wayne. So even today, showed some promising signs. Um, yeah, I, I, I think there's. I think he's kind of with two decent performances off the bench. One of which scoring a critical winning goal, and with Hardy being the form he's in, I would say he's going to start. John, it's interesting that you deem Wayne to be basically Jeffcott's replacement. When in my head, he's Ryan Hardy with a little less finishing ability in terms of you know work rate, pacing behind. Do you not see him as like Ryan Hardy's replacement next season? I think he's been signed for that reason. I think, I yeah, think no, he's I, signed. Yeah. I don't so there's two I, I have two answers to this. I don't necessarily disagree with what you're saying, obviously. Well, the first one is that when I said he he looks like an upgrade on Jeff Cott, that's in terms of this season, right? Hardy is still here. He is the striker that has come into the squad essentially to replace Jeff Cott, who we let go. Um so that that was really all I meant by saying that he looked like an upgrade on Jeff Cott. In terms of like being in the squad this season is is what I meant by that. But I think also what I would say is that he reminds me more of like a sort of like maxed out Jeff Cott than he does Hardy. I think, yeah, he does have pace. He does stretch defenders. He does run in behind. But he's more of a kind of blood and thunder, a bit more physical, a bit more of a poacher in front of goal than I see Hardy as being. I think Hardy is not clinical, really. I think he's almost a bit of a a Jeff Cott and Hardy hybrid in a way, isn't he? Yeah, almost. I I can see that as a shout, I wouldn't say Hardy's clinical because he doesn't score easy chances. And, and the definition of a clinical striker for me is someone who, who scores the tap in score, you know, get, just gets in places and it goes in off his shin or his knee. Hardy is a low. Wayne, Wayne did in Ooh. fact not score a fairly easy chance today, just to balance it out a bit. But I see what you're saying. Yeah, no, I don't think he needs to work on his finishing. But based on you know all of the footage we've all seen from Aaron's mates Spoonie and Ricey in uh, New Zealand, you know, <laughs> he, um, he uh, you know he he does score that kind of poacher's goal. Whereas Hardy is a lot more of a finesse. Finisher who to me misses easy misses some easier chances sometimes. I, I just I see Wayne as a more similar player to Jeff Cott than I do to Hardy. But I like Sam's idea of them being kind of a hybrid. I, I guess what I would say is if Hardy does go in the summer, 
yeah, maybe Wayne has been signed as his replacement. I'm not sure Wayne is necessarily going to be ready to come in and be a like-for-like -like replacement for Hardy. I think we'll be getting a different type of striker and we'll have to change how we play accordingly. And I think if we go up, and I think and hope if we go up, well, I hope Hardy stays. But if he doesn't, I would hope we sign a striker who's a bit more experienced and a bit more of a finesse finisher like Hardy is and Wayne can kind of continue his integration into the squad or maybe even go out on loan somewhere and, for six months and, and get some games under his belt. But I guess that's why I see him, why I kind of made that Jeff Gold comparison more than the Hardy one. But I take Sam's point. I know what you mean. It's it's like, um, you know, on FIFA, when you, you boost all the like speed to like 99, he's like Jeff Cott when you've done that. The only reason I, I suggest whether he's a Hardy replacement is basically same question about Danny Mayer, right? Hardy's contract is up in the summer. Are we all for extending that or do you, or do you think he's gone? Do you think it, mentally he's already gone to... Uh... <sighs> Look, I, I think, we'd be, I think we'd, we'd, be, we'd be mad to say we wouldn't extend it because for all the many legitimate flaws there are and, and arguments there are to have about him, he has still scored, you know, uh, like 50 goals over the past sort of two and a half seasons at this, or maybe not quite that many because some of them are in League Two, but well over 40 goals since we got back into League One. So it would be a very bold man. They know we're not going to even offer him an extension. I think if, if we did say that, every other League One club would be eyeing him up. Um, obviously, if we go into the Championship, that's a step up, but ultimately, we're not going to we're not going to go into the Championship and sign a whole new team of players. You're going to need to keep at least a quarter players that took you up to avoid massive disruption to the squad. So I think the story in which we don't offer him one, it, it, it is kind of non-existent. I think the story in which he declines it is, it, is probably more likely. I, I don't want to be harsh and say that he's, he's playing badly because his head's elsewhere. Because ultimately, at the end of the day, as we've said, this is what he does. He does have good runs and bad runs. And I think he's just having a bad run at the minute. I don't think he's having a bad run because he wants to be elsewhere or in, in his head he's already signed for the club. I don't think that's the case at all. I think he's just having a... A bad run, it, it may just need the proverbial one to go in off his backside and Exeter away in front of the big bank to put us one the up. And, uh, you know, if that happened, he could be back to sparkling form. Um, but he is on a bad run and there's no disguising that. So I think drop him, drop him for Exeter, maybe, you know, bring him back to his old role of being a super sub uh, for a game or two. If he then gets a goal off the bench, maybe look at bringing him into starting. But yeah, Cosgrove and Wayne uh, for the Exeter game. I want to just echo what Sam said really quickly, which is to say that when I say that Hardy needs to kick up the, you know, whatever sanitized word Sam's using on this very, very family friendly podcast, I don't think it's, I don't think it's a lack of effort. I don't think it's a lack of trying. I just think he's in the doldrums confidence wise. We've seen this throughout yeah. his Argyle career. I don't think it's anything stupid being turned or him being on the beach or, or whatever. Um, and I wouldn't want to insinuate that. So I just want to make very clear that that's not what I'm saying. I think he just, you know, I think he just needs a, a bit of focus. Um, but but yeah, he's gone through these runs before where he's not scored. He's always come back and scored. And look, it'd be a bloody great time for him to come back into form. I would say he's probably due it based on his cycles for us right around now, wouldn't it? Yeah, and talking of being on the beach, let's go back to the Morecambe game specifically. Obviously, at nine minutes is all it took for Jay Matete to turn the game on its head with a goal and an assist. Uh, doesn't get much better than that, does it, Sam? No, it does not. Um, Matete was absolutely brilliant off the bench. Um He's a player who's caused me a bit of frustration a, a little bit, Jamie Tete, in, in, just in the sense of he can be so brilliant when he's on it. So why does he have so many games where he seems to kind of coast away, not really doing a great deal? But he, he absolutely was brilliant off the bench at Morecambe, as he was brilliant off the bench for Derby home. Both those games, he, he added that extra impetus, turned the game around for us. Um, fine assist for Wayne and a fine finish. Um, 
obviously then went on to start today's game where he, I still think, was, was pretty good in his position of midfield. He then got moved to right back, which which was a totally bizarre decision, which I'm sure we'll discuss in a minute. But yeah, Matete is, is clearly a really quality player um, when, when he's on it. Um, there's no denying that. He just needs to find that little bit more consistency, which is probably part of the reason why he's here and uh, rather than actually playing for his parent club and just um, rein in his tendency to get yellow cards a bit and what a fine player he could be. Yeah, nice. Let's call that a day on the Morecambe game and let's reconvene for Lincoln. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B and advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs, also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Have you boarded the Wayne train? Have you boarded the Wayne train? Have you boarded the Wayne train? Obviously, moving on to the... uh... Second home defeat of the season, but when you put it like that, it doesn't sound too bad. Who wants to run us through Lincoln at home, Joe? Well, this one's worse than the first home defeat of the season, that's for sure. I thought we started the game really brightly. First 20 minutes, I thought we got ourselves in some brilliant positions, um, but we didn't create a great deal. Um, I liked our shape. I liked what we were trying to do. We were getting Jay Matete in pockets of space. Um, I actually liked the early link-up at times between Ryan Hardy and Tyreek Wright. I thought that looked promising for about 15 minutes. Um, it was pretty clear that Lincoln were going to wait for any breakdown in play to to get an opportunity. They were set with a five at the back. Um, they were very regimented in what they were doing. Um, and unfortunately, as is too often at the moment, the game hinges on one opportunity to take the lead um, through Ryan Hardy who I have been very passionate and staunch in my defence in recent weeks, saying that he's been getting a lot of very unfair criticism, um, a lot of stick given the amount of goals he's scored for the club. Um, that's why I didn't wade in on the last on the debate before the break. Um, however, I can defend this opportunity. Um, he's through on goal. He has to score. You, you, you can't not keep giving up these opportunities. Um... He has to score. And I think from that moment onwards, the game changed. Um, Lincoln have scored a diabolical goal from our point of view. 
um absolutely horrendous that we've allowed that to occur that's the second game in three days where a team has counter-attacked on us from our own set piece um not that we're looking particularly threatening again at set pieces but that that's par for the course unfortunately um they've gone from the length of the field with about four touches and bundled it in at the back post you can't use any other description that's played perfectly into their hands and if truth be told we created diddly squat after that um there was nobody on the pitch who was willing to be a leader and take i was talking about danny mayor taking the game by the scruff of the neck there was nobody who was willing to do that um we were passive we made mistake after mistake uh it was just an absolute horror show when we can afford horror shows um we've all been relying on the home form to potentially see us over the line and we had four games left at home we've started with a defeat it's not the right way to start this mini league of eight games um and there are John alluded to it earlier. There are a couple of players who really haven't covered themselves in glory. I'm not one for singling out individuals. I'm not going to start now. The fans, I think everyone's in pretty much agreement on who those people are. Um, there were incidents in the second half where players were beaten to the ball by making stupid mistakes and they weren't tracking back and getting into positions to help the team out. Um, we gave the ball away to easily we were lethargic in and out of possession um and credit to lincoln they did a bloody good job on us and if truth be told we were fortunate it wasn't five or six um because they actually couldn't finish their dinner in the end in the second half um chance after chance they came forward wave after wave we threw everyone onto the pitch that we could in an attacking sense nothing worked nothing changed um, I remember coming on the pod about three, four weeks ago and saying I'd be more concerned, not that if we aren't scoring, but that we aren't creating chances. Um, today, I was alarmed. I really was alarmed at how little we created at home. That's a big concern. We have the half chance with the Wayne train in the second half. And if he lent back any more, he'd have been horizontal. Um, I'm not even sure the conversion would have been a success. Um, it's just an absolute dire 90-minute performance. Um, Schumacher referred to tension amongst the players, amongst the staff and amongst the fan base. Well, when you put in a performance like they did at Wembley the week before last, you're going to get that in your next visit to Home Park. Um, and they haven't done much to endear themselves this afternoon, I think. Um, just a really, really, really sour way to end the weekend for me. I'm going to give a little bit of a alternative point of view. I look forward to this. Yeah, look, I don't want to be seen as going to bat for that performance too much because there, were, there was a lot of that performance to be annoyed about. However, I think to an extent, and, and I, I'm someone who said it and I stand by it over the whole season, our biggest asset, and I, and I genuinely include Michael Cooper in this, our single biggest asset for where we are in the league is Stephen Schumacher out of anyone at the club. That being said, Schumacher got it totally wrong today. And I think, to a large extent, some of the players were, were let down by mistakes made tactically. Uh, I think, for some reason, we we started with a far more narrow uh, 3-4-3 to the point where it was basically a 3-6-1. Um, and, and there was not enough width at all. Um, then, obviously, then what on earth that system was later in the game, it was kind of 4-2-2-2 with... Matete is right back. Tyreek Wright, who 
I'm not going to disagree with the people saying he's not good enough because I don't think he is either. But Tyreek, he's certainly not a left back for goodness sake. Tyreek Wright as a, as a left back was a, quite frankly a bizarre decision. Uh, Finnegan in sort of don't know where he really was. It was, it was kind of ostensibly defensive midfield, but it sort of seemed to be wherever he wherever he fancied popping up. Um, it was almost a tactic of just throw your attacking players on the pitch and see what happens. Um, that may be, you know, that may be great in the 80th minute or 81st minute when you've got, you know, got nothing left. You need to throw throw players at it. Doing that in like the 59th minute or whatever it was was just to me a barking mad decision because it's all very well just, you know, being like, you're like, you're like you're playing football manager and just throw all your attacking players on and go overload. But what happens when you do that in reality and on football manager as well, to be fair, is you get hit on the counter-attack. And as Joe said, Lincoln had countless, countless chances. And I, I don't think that's down to players not not trying or not or not putting the effort. I think that's down to it. Just, just mistakes that were made in the setup. When you have so many attacking players on, you know, it's like having a show with a load of, you know, uh, piano players, but if there's no one to put the piano onto the stage, then, then, then that's going to be a pretty bad show because there was nobody getting, there was nobody winning the ball and getting it into the right areas. Um, I, I too, said, I too love to go to massive piano shows with more than one pianist on the stage. That's definitely and, something. Yeah, done yeah, yeah. Many, many, anyway, many times. What, what I also want to say, and very funny, what I also want to say is that I think we did create a few chances, you know, because there was the, there was the main Hardy one. There was also the second Hardy one that was a bit of a tougher chance that you still, still could have done better with about five minutes later in the first half. In the second half, there was the Wayne chance, which I think was a, wasn't as good a chance as the first Hardy one. I mean, it was still a pretty decent chance. You still probably got it on target. There was also the Matete one that was blocked just on the edge of the six-yard box quite early on. Matete got with a set piece. The ball got down to Matete. He got the ball in a bit of a decent area and then he, he, he shot and it was blocked by, by a defender on, on, in the six-yard box. Um, Long White should probably have had a penalty as well, in my opinion. Um, so that, that would have been another good one. There was a Wayne sort of flicked on head and it went a bit wide. You know, we had, I'm, not, I'm not saying we didn't have I'm not saying we we absolutely, you know, had loads of chances, but I think we had a, a, a reasonable number of chances considering how unbalanced we were. And I like it, I think we should have had that one at the end where the ref just kind of didn't bother to give a foul on Cosgrove. So I, I, I'm not saying it was a good performance by any means, but I, uh, to, to give a bit of balance, I feel that we had a reasonable number of chances that we didn't actually convert. And whilst I'm not happy with a lot of aspects of the performance today, like I said, I also feel that tactically Schumacher got it wrong, not just with the starting eleven, with the subs too. Joe, you look like you're disagreeing with me. When was this Lonvike penalty appeal? Uh, about 65th to 70th minute. Uh, ball comes in from a corner. Uh, Lonvike sort of gets... Are you trying to talk about the moment where Lonvike tried to make it look like he was being held on to as the ball was going out of play? He was being held on to. I saw it at oh. the Devonport end, a very good view of it. He was being held on to, in my opinion. I, I, I didn't realise I didn't realise he was supposed to be a combative, strong centre half who's supposed to be, you know, just get on with it, innit? Right, stop, try, you, you stop, trying to make, you, stop trying to make out you're being fouled when you're not. It's it's pathetic. But you, but you can't grab it. on you you can't grab on the people's shirt. And that's what they're doing. It wasn't a penalty. I think it wasn't it was. a penalty. Oh, we can disagree. Well, I also disagree that we created chances. Uh, uh, the Matete the one, I don't think you can class as a chance. I think it's half at me? best. It's cleared off the line, Joe. It's literally cleared going into the, the corner and the guy's, the guy's headed it over the bar. It's a great chance. He's yeah. not headed it off. The, he's not headed it off the line. Well, he's blocked it. He's blocked it between... The, it was going in. If the keeper is nowhere near it. It's going yeah, in. It, 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 it wasn't quite off the line, but it, 
it was in a it was in a good it it, it was it was going into there for the defender to get there, and um, Matete has it unmarked in a reasonably central position in the eighteen yard box, and it was only blocked by a, a great defensive block. To me, that constitutes a pretty good chance, in my opinion. Uh, and and the Wayne one was pretty good. Hardy had that one big one, and also a second half decent one, not long after. Look, am I saying that all these chances are sitters? No, absolutely not. But um, I think between them, and obviously there, there was that Wayne sort of flicked on header as well that just sort of nipped past the post. Again, half chance maybe. Scar had a header from a corner. Again, half chance. But when you add all these chances up, I think we, we probably should have scored at least one, if not two from them, in my opinion. I agree, I agree with Sam, actually. I think we do create chances. Um, and Joe, I did have that in mind today. You you saying... I'll be alarmed when we don't create chances. So it's somewhat surprising to hear you say, well, I guess you don't think we created chances, which is fair enough. But yeah, I guess for that reason, you know, I think it just wasn't really our day at the office. Um, combination of poor... Features. Very quickly, I'm just going to quote Fop Mob. Um, we had... You beat me to it. 14 shots, no big chances. 14 shots, eight off target. Okay, well, any any statistical model that is not counting that Ryan Hardy one in the first half as a big chance isn't worth the paper it's written on, in my opinion. Uh, yeah, we're gonna ha- how exactly do they constitute a big chance? Like, even if we disagree on the Matete one, even if we disagree on the Wayne one, surely we can all agree the Hardy one was a big chance. I mean, so I'd like to know by what metric they're constituting a, a, a big chance if that isn't one, if I'm, if I'm honest there. I mean, he's clean through on goal. All he has to do is put it anywhere apart from where he puts it, and it goes in. It's a huge chance. Um... We created so, loads of chances. We we created loads of chances, but only had two shots on target. Yeah, which I agree is bad finishing. Which I agree is bad finishing. But but we created chances. I think I think for me, what's frustrating about it, and I think Schumacher, and I, and I would agree with Sam actually that Schumacher is to blame for for today. I think he got his team selection wrong, and I think he should have changed it at half time. I think that in those games where we're one nil down, and he tinkers and and you know manages to make substitutions that change the game in our favour. He relies on only being 1-0 down. And you should have seen that it wasn't working at the end of the first half. You should have changed it at half-time rather than giving it 5-10 to 10 minutes because within those 5-10 to 10 minutes, we were 2-0 down. It was game over. Um, so I think I think he has to take the blame today, unfortunately. Um, but what I will say is when it was 0-0, we cut them apart several times. And, and every time we tried to pass through the lines, we were pretty successful at it. Um, you know, obviously, Hardy went in behind for that chance. There were a couple of passes where it was very simply... Butcher just like sliding the ball through their high press and Matete was on his way. It wasn't that complicated. And yet a combination of factors, I think, meant that we just didn't do that after they scored. Obviously, they um, sat back a little bit more and decided just to really spring us on the counter-attack um, for one. So obviously, they, they became a bit harder to break down. But we were just so unadventurous with our passing. Um, I think off off before we started the recording, someone was mentioning uh, stats from the aforementioned very reliable website, um, saying that we had loads and loads of passes, but they were all in our own half, basically. Um, no, I, can I can I quote can I quote said uh, website, John? Uh, Three hundred and seventy-seven yes. accurate passes, of which two hundred and thirty-five were completed within our own half of the pitch. It was just back and forth and back and forth between the, the centre backs. You know, lots of backward passing. I'm not I'm not one of these people who'll sit there and yell forward, you know, every single ball, but there was today a real if you did shout forward, forward there was twenty eight accurate long balls as well. So Well, um one wonder how many of those where we lost the second ball to be honest, because because it didn't really feel like a lot of those really created anything in, in a durable sense. But yeah, um I just felt we were really unambitious and, and credit to Lincoln, they did a job on us. But but I was in the process of saying, I think, before I got sidelined, that Schumacher was absolutely right in his in his post-match interview where he said the first goal in a game like today is going to be absolutely crucial. If we had scored it, they'd have had to come out in more than a counter-attacking sense. 
uh, or they would have been running a huge, huge risk of soaking up a lot of pressure and then springing forward to get an equaliser. It would have opened the game up. It would have played right into our hands as it was. Um, yeah, Hardy, Hardy did a very bad miss. And then we conceded pretty much the exact goal that we conceded away at Morecambe. I think it's absolutely criminal that you can concede two um, goals where you've been counted on from your own corner in consecutive games. That, to me, shows a real lack of learning or something going wrong. I get that they haven't had a ton of time to put that right on the training pitch, but that is something they need to look at because every team is, you know, we, we play for the rest of the season. They're going to be looking at those goals and thinking that's a blueprint for how to score against us. I will just say on the subject of the referee, I didn't really have a very good view of the Lon Dyke incident Sam is mentioning, but I thought there were two incidents that may have gone below the radar that could have been determinative in a way in the game. One of which was that in not in the immediate build-up, but in the build-up to the second Lincoln goal, there was a flying high foot in Wilson's face. Um, and Wilson pulled out so he didn't get studded in the face. And because he pulled out, it was deemed to be a fair attempt at the ball. But the ref was right there. You could see he was going to blow for it. And then when Wilson pulled out, he didn't. And they went on to, to win a free kick. And then I think they scored basically you know, from one of the rebounds from that. For me, that is a very, very clear foul. I don't see why Wilson has to put his head in there and get kicked in the face to win it. And just factually, they would not have scored um, in, in those circumstances 30 seconds later or whatever, if that had been given. Obviously, we had a lot of chances to clear our lines after that. I'm not saying it's a direct cause and effect, but that for me is a poor decision that could have been costly. The other one, and, and I apologize to the referee if this is wrong, but it was right in front of me. And I, I think I saw what I saw was that Matty Virtue had been booked he scythed down, I think, Cosgrove, one of our players running down the, the left-hand side. The referee has run I think, over with I his think, hand. I think it was Mayor, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah well, it was, there was actually two of them there. He sort of managed to foul them both. He, the referee has run over, gone to his pocket, seen who it is, and, and taken his hand away. He, he, you know, So that is just a disgraceful decision, if that, is, if that is what's happened. Because to me, it really looked like he was running over to whip out the yellow card, saw it was someone who had been booked, um, and that guy had the temerity to be subbed off a few minutes later with a face like thunder, having a row with the fourth official, which is ridiculous. It was a it's a blatant yellow card, and yeah, we're two 0 down at that point. But it was what sixty five, seventy minutes in, you know, a red card could completely change that game. I, I still felt in the eightieth minute, if we could just force one over the line, we'd have a really great chance of getting an equaliser because you know, as, as good as Lincoln were doing a job against us, I didn't you know they, they're not they're not you know Ipswich, they're not Sheffield Wednesday. Um, so yeah. It's a game, I think, where a lot of things can be true at once. It can be true that there were some pretty fine margins in it, and if Hardy had scored, it would have gone the other way, potentially. It can be true the referee had a bit of a shocker. I think he let them, as Joe alluded to earlier, get away with some time-wasting as well, despite sort of performatively clamping down on it. They didn't really get as many yellow cards for the very blatant time-wasting as they should have done. And also, you can say that for all that those things might sound exculpatory, they're not, because we were terrible. Um, there were some terrible individual performances. We lacked ambition. We lacked vision. Um, and, and yeah, and then there were certain individuals who, um, in particular, were were very, very poor indeed. So a really frustrating day at the office. But, you know, it doesn't change my assessment that we're going up. doesn't change Sam's assessment that we're not. No, to respond to that, I've been probably the most pessimistic of the podcasters this season on our chance of promotion. And I guess in a certain origin to that, that, I'm probably the most positive in terms of taking the positives from our from a performance day because one was because as Aaron will testify doing the pod last week I didn't think we'd win today I thought we'd draw admittedly but I didn't think we'd win today so I, I'm kind of less angry because I wasn't so much going into an explanation of a win but also just because I guess having sort of or, 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 you know mentally a bit more prepared for us dropping out of the top two not that it's definitely going to happen obviously we still could come top two but I guess I'm, I'm not so angry because I'm not 
you'd be going into it expecting, you know, expecting us to then go on and win every game. And, and, and look, I, I still, I, I still genuinely think, without wanting to just be, you know, contrarian for the sake of causing a debate, that there was some positives to take from the game today. That first twenty-five, excellent. Even after that, some good chances. Admittedly, a a very unstructured, chaotic formation and unstructured, chaotic way of playing. But some positives to take. Wayne was good off the bench. Well, he was decent off the bench. Maybe good is pushing it a bit, but he really should have done better with that chance. But Wayne was decent off the bench. Um, Danny Mayer was good again for the second game running. Um, Burton made an excellent save to keep it down to 2-0. Hopefully that will do some good for his confidence. Um, we won't necessarily talk about his distribution, but <laughs> excellent save to stop it from going to 3-0. Um there were some positives to take from that. I, I, I don't think that was. I don't think that was an irredeemable performance. And although I, yes, I still do incline towards thinking it's going to be the playoffs for us. That's not to say that I'm certain of that. If if we win at Exeter, which I think we can do, because we have seen big responses to all of our league losses. We've not lost two league defeats in a row this season, and this would not be a good time to break that record. But going into the Exeter game on Saturday. If we just play like we did in that first 25 minutes and just don't lose our heads, just be sensible with corners, take them short if we have to, leave an extra round back if we have to, then I still think we've got every chance of getting a positive result at Exeter. Just on uh, John's point about the referee, um, I don't, I can see what he's saying. Um, I, I too noted that he went to his pocket when... Um, Virtue had scythed down whoever it was, whether it be Cosgrove or Mayor or both, um, and then seemingly saw the number of the player and thought, actually, I can't really send him off for that, which does show a bit of weak refereeing. You could say that rather than follow through, it was just Virtue signaling, couldn't you? Very good. Um, <laughs> I would... I would also say that, for me, I thought he was actually have up to that point having a very good game. Um, he wasn't taking any of Lincoln's nonsense. He um, laid down the law when he booked a player who was repeatedly having a go at him. Um, but what I will say is it seems like after 70 minutes, he just sort of gave up the policing of the the wasting of time. Um, he too obviously felt that the game was gone, um, which was a shame, but not that it had any bearing. Lincoln were better than us on the day. Good luck to them. Um, it's about time they won a game and stopped drawing. Um, and they continued that insane, pathetic record they've got against the top six, where they've actually only lost once all season. Um, and you can see why they defended well, they were solid, they were resolute. Um, they punished us when they needed to, although they should have punished us more. Um, it was just a bad day for us, too many mistakes. Um, but I am getting fed up of saying that it was a bad day at the office because you can't say it every time you lose. At some point, there has to be a question asked and we weren't good enough today. And that is happening far too frequently at the business end of the season. Most of the questions I had lined up to ask you, you just all went and spoke about yourself. So that's, that's ideal. Less talking for me. Uh, we asked a few people on Twitter, well, we asked everyone on Twitter. A few people responded uh, their thoughts on today's game. Uh, Tom said, gutless, spineless, devoid of leadership off the, on the pitch, dejected, Worried and ever so slightly pissed off. Um, feels like something wrong in the dressing room. Mark said, uh, beaten by the better team, disgraceful and unprofessional. How have we conceded from our own corner two games in a row? Uh, GMT, 
said, uh, our rightful place on goal difference is fifth. Uh, we've conceded so many unnecessary goals. Uh, Nick Robshaw says, what a terrible day to have eyes. I was a big fan of that one. <laughs> Incredible. Lewin said, uh, we never really looked like scoring a barely won a second ball. Lincoln just seemed to have a player in the right place every time. So frustrating. And uh, Archie says, we struggle time and time again against those playing with direct uh, passing. Uh, the gaps are finding in our defence are unforgivable. We can't go on like this. Talking of not going on like this, we've, we've obviously seen uh, Tyreek Wright starting to, you know, start the two games over the Easter period, uh, playing in various positions. What what are our thoughts on him so far? Does it does he have what it takes to cut it at this level? What's the Mourinho meme? If I speak, I'm in big trouble. Uh, very quickly, I'll just jump in um, before we start slagging the poor lad off because um, I think that's probably where this is going and it might turn into a bit of a witch hunt this which is not what it's designed for um, but look I think as I said earlier I I felt sorry for him on Saturday I Friday um, I think he was given a thankless task similar to Ben Wayne at Sheffield Wednesday um, and I, I stand by what I said I thought first 15-20 minutes today I thought his link up with Hardy up front actually looked really promising and bright Um I thought they were finding themselves little pockets, well, more right than Hardy, finding himself pockets of space. And um, he himself cut inside and and dragged a shot wide. Um, But unfortunately, he just isn't a left wing back, is he? Um, And that that is where, that's where he came undone today. I I would just quickly go as far as to say that he might well go on to have a very good career for us. I think he's got some attributes, clearly. I think he's very raw. I think we don't know what his best position is. Um, well, we and, know where it is. We know where his best position is. We just don't play with wingers. So, well, yeah, true. There's that within our system, I guess, is what I meant. Um, I just, I just, I felt, I felt like we were sort of over Shui Roulette a little bit. You know, like I felt that he'd sort of maybe settled down a bit a few weeks ago. And then he starts Tyreek Wright, a player who hasn't had a sniff for weeks and weeks and weeks for two huge games in a row over the Easter weekend. And I wasn't at Morecambe. Obviously, we won the game. I didn't hear great things about him, honestly. And today I was at the game and I thought he was terrible. I'm sorry, I can't sugarcoat it. I just thought he was absolutely awful. Um, especially in the second half. So many errors defensively. Ran the ball out of play from a great crossing position. Um, didn't, you know, didn't run back several times where he got caught out. Um I just, I just don't, I just don't really get why he started these games. I just don't really get it. Um, you know, like the fact that he has started two these two games ahead of both Callum Wright and um, Vinazaz in both cases, and Danny Mayer in one of the cases is borderline criminal as far as I'm concerned. When we know how good those players are at this level, I just, I just don't get it. It hasn't worked, and yeah, like I said, I don't want to write the lad off. He might have a great career for us. I don't think he's ready. And I think he needs to to go back in the in the box of people we're not calling on between now and the end of the season unless it's absolutely necessary. And I take no pleasure in saying it, but I know he proves me wrong by scoring the winner at Exeter next week if he does play. But uh, I thought he was the worst of a very bad bunch today. Uh, George does actually want to give a view on, on Tyreek Wright on here. Is that something that we can briefly uh, allow? Have the moment slightly gone, Aaron? Has everyone covered it? No, no, crack on. George Wood, hello. Welcome to the podcast. So my opinions on Tyreek Wright. Um, I will start by defending him slightly in a sense of I think we've signed the complete wrong player and he's in the wrong team. Um, 
but I don't think that excuses just his performances in general. Is today drop first half he wasn't too bad when he was playing up front. He made a few good runs which just the midfield didn't pick out. So I'll I'll, I'll give him his dues on that. I would have given him probably a five out of ten in the first half, but the second half he was just dreadful. Just gave the ball away too much, and it's the same at Morecambe. It's just probably one of the worst performances I've seen. Um, and I almost feel like we're playing him just to keep him happy, which at this point of the season, we can't be we can't be doing. It's not, in my opinion, screw keeping players happy. We need to get out of this league. It does feel like that with quite a few of the players, though, right? Like Saxon early dips in and out and like, you know, you know Wayne gets minutes every now and then and, you know, Miller pops up and whatever. Galloway gets starts. Like, it just feels like we're just trying to keep too many players happy, right? Well, you could argue that, but also I'd say to that, I think Galloway, whenever he plays, is solid. Saxon early, I think. Think I particularly remember him having a bad game. He's you know grabbed a couple of goals for us. But you don't remember his defensive performance at Peterborough and, and Oxford. I was quite drunk, so no. <laughs> <laughs> nah, to be honest, I I don't know. But I, I think all the players that you've named there, to be honest, have put in far better performances than Tyreek Wright has. I can't recall Tyreek Wright actually having a good game like today. Even though I say he made a few good runs. Like, I could run about a little bit for, for half an hour. It doesn't mean I'm any good, does it? So that's my opinion on on, on him. And I think he, I think he belongs back in League Two. I just think he's. I, I know Bradford. I was I'm friends with a Bradford fan. And she says the plays on the left left wing. So I'm not actually sure why we signed him. I don't know if anyone's got any of any ideas on that. But he's the totally wrong player for this team as well. It's not even that. Though. It's like if we're going to sign him with a of you to the future why have we not just loaned him back to Bradford I just don't that's, that's the bit that baffles me but. well bit, bit of depth potentially but you've got to look in the summer and you think unless we're going to play 4-3-3 next season why keep him what, what's the point because you'll have to play him every so often to keep him happy like with six games to go I'd be like screw it you just need to start your strongest 11 in each one but in a, in a full season yeah you are going to have to play him a few times aren't you which is why I think was it Fleetwood at home? We started him at left wing back or something stupid like that. Like, he's, he can't defend. He's he's not a defender. He's absolutely not a defender. So, do you want? You probably made me feel a little bit more sorry for him now. But yeah, he's still terrible. It's, it's not going to change my opinion. Yeah. So over the course of the, obviously the two games, he, he he's had a a period where he was like floating up top. He was in the ten against Morecambe. He's he's played left back and left wing back today against Lincoln. So like you know. If if you're covering four different positions, none of those are yours, then you're not going to look that great. No, no. To be fair, you're right. You, you can't probably get a level of consistency if you're playing all over the shop constantly. But uh, say so like today, like he lost the ball a couple of times when he was effectively playing left back in the second half, and he was just didn't run back to try and win the ball back, and you could see him be like, "Ah, oh, crap! I need to actually defend here because that's my." That's my role, and people, I think, players do adapt, whether that's their natural position or not. I just don't think he's a League One player. I, he might be passable in a lower, lower League One side, someone like a, a Morecambe or something like that. But at the end of the day, we are well. We were top of the league. We are a top of the league team. We can't be. We can't be carrying passengers at this point in the season. Yeah, agreed. I'll, I'll pass it back to Sam because he knows what he's talking about more. He doesn't drink as much as me. Bye. Bye. Well, I thought it would, thought it would be just good to mix it up a bit, but you know, 
saw the well see what the listeners have to say, I suppose. Oh, from Tyreek Wright to James Wilson, how how has he gone from looking rock solid at the start of the season to just so poor recently? Should we have another witch hunt? I kind of mentioned him earlier in the sense of I think he, he was always a bit slow, but last season he, he made up for that by, by just reading the game brilliantly. I think this season he's like they maybe not read it uh, quite so well and also just, just seemingly just lost an extra yard of pace. I think it maybe doesn't help that um, Edwards in front of him is, a, is another year older. He's maybe lost a yard of pace as well, so we don't have quite the the person in front of him to, to, to you know sweep up and, and make up for a bit more. But look, I think Wilson, he, he still has a lot to offer. He's a great leader on the pitch. He's um, He can head the ball very well. Uh, he can tackle very well. He can man-mark well. Uh it's just kind of getting to the stage almost like it was with Gary Sawyer, where you just fear, really fear for him in one-on-one situations. That a bit of pace for a bit of trickery can just really, really do for him, unfortunately. So, yeah, not really sure what the answer is. Certainly whilst James Bolton's out injured. Long Vikings are <laughs> uh, erratic uh, as well. I think our best back three when everyone's fit is... James Bolton, Dan Scar, and Macaulay Gillespie. Um, I, I would even maybe consider Gillespie as a right centre back because he's done well there before in certain games. But Galloway's injured as well, so it's um, it's all it's all a bit of uh, you know uh, square pegs round holes to to an extent. But yeah, he, he's not on great form, isn't James Wilson? Um, I just hope he can regain it. I think players just go through bad patches sometimes. I don't think it necessarily makes you not a good player anymore. And I do, I think that's probably just what's happening with Wilson. He's just not in the best flush of form, but I don't necessarily see a need to, to overreact or, or panic about it. Um, I would maybe rotate him out for a couple of games, but yeah, I still think he's a good player. who has got a lot, a lot to offer. I don't necessarily have broader concerns with him, like maybe some of the others. Yeah. Obviously you mentioned it there slightly sound about like injuries and, and, you know, options and round pegs, square holes or whatever they analogy is do, do we really need to consider how we play for the rest of the season you know like we've picked up several knocks Galloway's you know Galloway Bolton etc constantly injured do, do we do we need to move towards a back four and use the options we have more sensibly or do we just plough on the way we've played the whole season and... um, it's a tough one because I think a back four it is a very different thing to learn. It's, it's different just doing it as an, as an impact thing late on in game three from the start. That being said, we have had some very good runs uh, of games with a back four. Cheltenham in the Pizza Cup, we went to a back four, we were excellent. Derby away, we went to a back four, we were excellent. Pompey away, we went to a back four, we were excellent. So this isn't a team that just looks totally incapable every time it's last to play a back four. I would consider it. But on the other hand, I know that it's a, it's a big ask uh, to, to play a back four um, as regularly as uh, you know, on a long term regular basis for a team that is primarily a back three team, I would compromise. I would move away from three four three, just because I think that's looked a bit stale in recent weeks. Maybe to an extent, has got figured out a little bit. Uh, I would go for the three five two with the extra man in midfield, just to get up more control in the midfield areas, and that allows two out of the three of Hardy, Cosgrove, and Wayne to start, and Chuck Ennis in the mix for that when he's fit as well. The players got away with their dismal performance at Wembley, as we all knew that the league was more important. 
Uh, booze rang out at full time today. Was that deservedly so or, or harsh? Didn't realise there were many left in with me in the stadium at full time. Um, I th- I thought the booze at half time were a little bit unnecessary because um, actually, if you if you take the first half hour into consideration, we were miles miles the better team. Um, but the last fifteen minutes of the first half were quite quiet. Um, I'm not one for booing, personally. Um, people pay their money, they pay their hard-earned money, they can voice their opinion. Um, and if they want to boo, let them boo. Um, I don't have a great great um, range of thoughts on it, to be honest. My general view is that if you pay money to attend a football match, and particularly if you've travelled halfway up the country for it, although that doesn't really apply today, then you have a right to express your opinion um, I, don't, I don't think booing has to be seen as this kind of like, you know, cataclysmic turn on the team moment. I think it can just be an outlet of frustration at a really poor performance. Um, if it doesn't turn into kind of horribly toxic yelling and abuse and shouting, just sort of a short, sharp boo at halftime or full time can just be a way of saying that was crap. You know, that was crap. So, so I'm not really bothered. I didn't I didn't really boo today. Um personally i think the interesting if we're doing a booing analysis i'd say quickly the only interesting thing about it for me is that is how wide it was in the ground and how you know normally if you hear boos you hear you have people in the row in front of you turning around and yelling at you to support the club and otherwise go to jail but didn't really feel like there was any of that today it felt like everyone was kind of on a consensus page with with the boos i don't know it's, it's a tense time as Shuey alluded to obviously we're coming off the back of that appalling performance at Wembley and the vast majority of fans this will be the first time they saw the club play in a game since then um it's not a great way to reward them for their loyalty and all the money they spent the weekend before getting embarrassed on the national stage and, and I think you know obviously we're, we're going to be nervy because every game is a, is a cup final in a sense to use the old cliche so I understand it um I don't think it's a huge deal honestly I don't think it's like it was a horribly toxic environment um in the in the ground there's obviously some idiocy flying around on social media tonight as you can expect but once the players came over for a round of applause they got a fairly warm round of applause probably from many of the people who booed at the full-time whistle I, I, I don't think it's a big deal let's start with the first twitter question which comes from robert smith uh, have the loanees got the same passion as the contracted players to get this over the line you can't actually hear an eye roll on on audio, can you? But me and Joe are both doing one. I just wanted to. Flag I'm, that. I'm 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 on video. I'm not on video, and I'm afraid I am also rolling my eyes. I think that's a bit of a you know daft line to take. With apologies, Robert. I, I think it's um it's very easy just to fall back on passion when there's so many other factors, tactical, technical, and there can be factors such as mentality and, and maybe even lack of self-belief about it, you know not having enough passion. I think if anyone's seen Bally Mumba after wins this season, how passionately he celebrated that Ipswich goal, Sam Cosgrove at Derby, and, and you know, some you know, the crunching tackles and challenges Cosgrove's gone in for, some of them too passionate, if anything, like the one at Wembley where he nearly <laughs> broke that bloke's leg. Um, I don't think the Lonies are lacking passion at all. That's what I think mean, the only one who that could even appear to be said for is the Zavs, but I think, I think... To an extent, yeah, and again, I am critical of the Zavs for not being consistent. I've had Zavs with Matete, but to an extent with the Zavs, I think that's just coming back from an injury to an extent. I do think him and Matete are too inconsistent, but 
That doesn't mean they're not that they don't care. There are other reasons why players can appear to coast through a game, like lack of lack of you know maybe maybe a lack of focus, a lack lack of that sort of um, determined mentality, lack of self belief, you know, a bit of complacency. I don't think that means they don't care. I don't think that means that we, we lose and they go home and don't give a damn, or that they're consciously withholding effort. And you know, even then, even even that sort of ca- heavily caveated criticism. You couldn't level that at Mumba and Cosgrove, who are two of the most passionate players I've seen for us uh, in recent times. So, no, I, I think that's a little harsh, to be honest with you. Yeah, I've sort of combined two questions here because they weren't really questions. But uh, Jack Lizzie says, we all joke about shimmy roulette, but it makes us so disjointed. Uh, we've used, we used to create an abundance of chances, but recently we're not. Uh, today was diabolical, both defensively and offensively. Uh, where was the leadership and the passion today? And I've coupled that with uh, Dominic Thomas's. Do we need a settled eleven for the running? And if so, who would yours be? I don't. I, don't, I think it, yeah, there was not a lot of passion on display or leadership, but but I think it was just a bad performance for it wasn't our day. Um, I don't know if I'm, I don't know if I really want to get into any more kind of cataclysmic language than that. I don't think it's a mentality thing. I don't think it's an effort thing. I think teams have these games and we've just been very blessed this season that we haven't had too many of them. Um, in terms of having a settled 11, yeah, I mean, I've said many times on this show that, you know, I, I get frustrated with the amount of rotation we do. Um, what would mine be if I was, if I was Shuey? Um, it's tough because it's apparently, obviously there's a lot of players out for sort of unspecified periods of time, right? Like I agree with what Sam said earlier that my back three would be Bolton, Scar and Gillespie, but Bolton is, Bolton's out. Gillespie, you know, who knows how many games in a row he can manage after a, after a long, hard season with his own injury problems. Um, I think I'd be tempted by, as things stand, Burton in goal, Wilson, Scar, Gillespie, assuming he is fit enough to, to start all those games. Um, Edwards at right wing back. Um, early at left wing back assuming that Miller limping off today was a bad sign. Um, but with that's one position where I would probably rotate between early and then Conor Grant and Miller if they come back, depending on who the opponents are. If it's a sort of rubbish team at home, I'd probably start Miller to attack them a bit more. If it's an away game against Exeter, for example, probably early. Um, obviously, Mumba is out. Uh, I would then start Butcher and Matete in the midfield too, far more often than not because of some aforementioned reasons about Jordan Houghton's season trajectories uh, that we talked about earlier in the pod. Um, uh, and then I I personally would start as as and Mayer in, in behind Hardy and just kind of go back to that that trio that have been reliable for us. Um, I still continue to think, and maybe I'm in a minority in this podcast and among Argyle fans, I continue to think as as is a champagne player. I think he's had, unfortunately, he was really hitting his stride and got a really bad injury and, and hasn't obviously hasn't come back from that as the same player. But... When he's good, he's really, really good. And I think today, you know, he came on, he gave the ball away a few times. It was frustrating, but he at least tried to play it through the lines, right? He wasn't like passing the ball backwards all the time. He was getting it. He was looking up. He was trying to make things happen. And I thought we were more fluid with him in the side today, even even though he did give the ball away a few times. So I'd bring him back in. Um, and then I think Callum Wright is a great option off the bench. Um, and then you've got, yeah, the other the other strikers to come on as well. But But... This wouldn't be the team I'd pick for Exeter, actually, um, ironically. Um, you know, as I said, I think I, I would probably start Cosgrove and Wayne up front for, for Exeter. But I think, broadly speaking, for the other games in the run, and that would be my my first 11, if it if you ask me to pick one. I'm not, I'm not opposed to rotation, you know, period. I'm opposed to, 
seemingly kind of random and irrational rotations for the sake of it. And I thought we were sort of over that. And I'm, not sure I, I'm opposed. I'm opposed to Americanization saying period rather than full stop myself. But but there we go. Very good. <laughs> whilst you're whilst you're on the topic of Azaz and we're on the Twitter questions, we put a poll out uh, in the week in midweek. No, we didn't. We put it out after the Morecambe game about which loanee you would you would sign permanently if you had the chance. And Azaz came bottom of that list below Cosgrove. So. Um, Absolutely well, bad. I was disenfranchised because I didn't vote in this poll, so that's fake news. <laughs> Absolutely, I think that is, a, that is a fake election result. That is a fake election result, folks. Finnis has won, and he won by a lot. It's not even close. <laughs> I think that's enough Americanisms on this one. Um, uh, talking of which, did we see uh, Kenny Cooper re-signed for DC United? Um, that's a prank. That's a on, spoof on, tweet, isn't it? Yes. No, no, it's, it's an official tweet. It was just on a... No, it's, you've about been hard. He's about 40... You've been hard. Yeah, about been out, been out, If you let me finish what I was going to say, Sam, it <laughs> oh, was on Fool's Day, but it was an official tweet. Oh, well, there we go then. <laughs> Although I was hard at first because I saw it on the third. and then um, Anyway, Finn asks, uh, from one Finn to another... Uh, do we need to be brutal in the summer when it comes to getting rid of the likes of Grant, Galloway, potentially Miller, class players, but seem to be spending most of their time injured? Yes. Yeah? What, cold the ball? Sorry to say it. Um, I, I, I'm not the physio, so I don't know. Um, I would need to, I need, it would have to be a bit based on a rigorous assessment of their fitness levels, right? But like, uh, there's just one too many passengers in in the not passenger makes them sound lazy. I don't, want, I don't want to use that word. You know what I mean? There's there's one too many in the squad where they're just they're just injured a lot, and it and it does just limit the amount of resources you have to have people who can who can play on a more reliable basis. I don't think it's really tenable going forward. Certainly not in the championship. So I'm sorry to say, as some as great as some of these people have been as servants, I just um I think it might be time to. As I say, it is a real shame though, isn't it? Because like on their day, like Gallagher's oh, like Miller's class, Bolton is is arguably our best defender. Like. I think he is, yeah. That, that, uh, so injury prone. If, you know, if we had them every game, I think uh, roulette would be much of an issue. Uh, last question from Liam. Um, why are we so poor under pressure? Just can't see us coping with it at Exeter on sun, uh, Saturday. Uh, can see another away drubbing. Do you agree with that, Joe? Uh, yeah, we were really poor under pressure against Sheffield Wednesday at home, against Derby County at home, at Ipswich at home, at Ipswich away, at Derby away, and Exeter at home twice. Yeah, we were really poor under pressure. No, but it is very argyle to be to lose games that we need to win, right? Just like we did, just just like we need, just like. Just like we needed to beat Ipswich and Sheffield Wednesday and Derby and Derby and Bolton and Barnsley and we needed to win them as well, didn't we? And we did. So we don't need to, we don't need to win the game either. No, um, we don't. Long... So you can't see another dropping. I didn't say that. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just I'm just I'm just saying that in answer to the question about how we never cope under pressure. This is a very current thing within our fan base, the fact that we were humiliated on the national stage. Um, but we coped well under pressure against Derby, against Barnsley at home in the league, against Sheffield Wednesday in the league, against Ipswich twice in the league. In the in the first Derby back in October, we bloody coped well, under, didn't we? So move on, next. 
Yeah, I just to say that again, I think the whole thing that I've sort of made some comments about is about pressure mentality. And I've sometimes, after games like Barnsley away and Peterborough, where I've made comments like, oh, no bloody mentality this team. And, and I, I've regretted it because when I fought back on it so many times, like Derby home, Morecambe away from 1 0 down, those are games where previous Argyle teams would have just crumbled. So we've, we've recovered, I think, nearly 20 points from losing positions. So we absolutely do have a strong mentality at times. I think we just have an erratic mentality. We can have real downswings and real highs. Maybe that's, you know, I'm kind of effectively saying nothing. We're saying everything there because all teams have downswings and high swings. But like, there are times where we can just look really mentally under the cosh. We can just look like we're kind of scared of our own shadow, like at Wembley, like, like at Barnsley, like at Peterborough. But there are also times where we really stand up and really make us make make everyone proud of us when it counts, like Derby home, like Ipswich away for the vast majority of that game, like so many of those games in the first half of the season where we've come under the cosh, gone behind, and come back to turn around and win the game. Like we've probably recovered more points in losing positions than I would imagine any other team in the league would seen. So. Mentality with Argyle is a bit of a Jekyll and Hyde. There, there, I, I think more often than not, we've thrived under pressure rather than bottled it under pressure. But at the same time, it has looked a little bit more wobbly going towards the business end of the season. So the Exeter game is going to be an absolutely huge game. Whatever, whatever you know, people feel about the rivalry, whether they, they care about the rivalry or whether they, they don't, um, it's going to be a cauldron of an atmosphere. The Exeter fans are going to make it tough for us. Um, it is a cliche, but but form as John said to me in person earlier, form can go out the window in a local derby, and we've got to just keep our heads. We've got to not do anything rash. If we go behind, we've got to not panic. We've got to not just make you know bring on a million attacking players just for the, for the sake of going all out like we did today. We've got to just keep our keep our calm and stay collected. And I think if we win the game, it will be an absolutely huge huge sign. That, that we can overcome adversity and and get get the results when they're most needed. Oh, really I actually, sorry, I was going to say, I, I feel a lot better about it than I did at three o'clock today, perversely, because I actually had long pegged the Exeter game as the one we were going to lose in the run-in, if anything. Um, not, not really based on superstition, but just based on kind of what Sam said being true, I think. I think that, you know, it, it is a tough place to go sometimes. Obviously, it'll be a hostile atmosphere, I could just see us getting turned over. I, I don't think we get drubbed. I never thought we'd get drubbed. I guess now the reason I'm more positive is that we haven't had two dreadful back-to-back performances this season at all. We just haven't. And I don't think that's an accident. I think it's down to this this group of players having a good response when things don't go their way. And given how big they know that game is going to be for the fans, I'd be very surprised if we go there and put in a performance like we, like we played today or like we played against Bolton. So... I actually now feel pretty positive about it because I, I, my suspicion was that we'd win today and then lose next weekend. But, you know, we'll see how it goes. I could be wrong, but it'd be a bad time to break that habit of bouncing back well from disappointing results. Sam, you mentioned uh, the atmosphere there. Did I see a tweet from you or was it, it might have been a group message? I'm oh, sorry if I'm outing you, about your, uh, your appreciation for the big bank. Do you want to explain yourself? Yeah, it was definitely not a tweet. Um, basically, it was, it was somebody. It was in a private group. Somebody sarcastically said that I, I love our ex and the fans <laughs> make up the big bank to be like Dortmund's yellow war. <laughs> I, I think it was quite a funny comment, but 
I think the Big Bang is quite intimidating uh, when it's when it's in full flow. It, it is the biggest standing terrace. And look, I'm not one of these Argyle fans who can't ever say anything nice about a rival club's fear of being, you know, castigated or whatever. Um, I, I think the Big Bang is it, quite intimidating. It can be very loud, it can be very rowdy, and boy, do, do they know how to get on the backs of some of our players. So I think I think it's something we're going to need to overcome. I think it's you know just again just going to be something not to not to get sucked into pressure. Um, just just rise to the occasion rather than shrink away from the occasion. And with some notable exceptions, more often than not, that is what we've done when pressure's come our way. So let's hope that the, well, the big bank is kept nice and quiet on Saturday. Yeah, I think I think for me, I, I'm not that worried about it. Like, like John has said, that we bounce back from games pretty well. So I'm just sort of hoping that they don't just treat this as like, any other game, you know, um, as long as they know that this is a big one for us. Joe, anything to add there on the preview of the big one? Obviously, Adam Randall looking likely to return. Would you throw him straight in? No. Simple answer. I wouldn't have considered him for either of these two games this weekend either. Preview of the weekend. Um, is it the sort of game we really need after that today? Honest, Honest question to the three of you. Do you think this is the sort of game we need straight away? No, I'd love to play Forest Green at home every week. <laughs> yeah, um, but, but we're, we're we're not we're not Sheffield Wednesday, so every game of the season for us isn't against the worst team in the league. I can see what Joe's coming from. It's not ideally the game because whatever you've you know, like whatever you, like it yourself, whatever you think Derby's high pressure. But on the other hand, it's not the worst time to play Exeter. They're going to be without Jay Stansfield, who's who's probably their best player. I think they're going to be without Nombe as well. He's a good player for them. I think it's, it's Giovanni Brown. Is he playing with his... Well, better be careful. I don't want to get the pod, pod done legally, but I don't know if Giovanni Brown's still playing with his current off-the-field situation. Or, But they're, they're without at least one, possibly more of their best players. So is it the worst time to be playing? I would, I would say it's not from that point of view. They also have nothing to play for, basically, which can be a complete double-edged yeah. sword. Can't take. We've seen teams with nothing to play for feel liberated and go out there and put on a show and we've seen teams with nothing nothing to play for head for the beach and that's just Argyle so um, yeah I don't know I, I, I think at this stage of the season I, I get where Joe's coming from obviously it's a very very big game for the club but I, I you know and again I don't want to be the football cliches podcast all of a sudden but I, I really hope they just approach it as a game against the 11 footballers that are likely to make up the lineup of Exeter City rather than and, and, and you know have that have that sense of pride and not wanting to let the fans down of course but not massively hype it up as a make or break game. I think we just need to continue to do what we've been doing most weeks of the season. And, you know, it's not ideal, but I'd rather be playing them than Barnsley away, Ipswich away, Sheffield Wednesday away, you know. Did I not read somewhere that this is like they're playing for their highest finish in the Football League or something? Didn't they, didn't they just miss out on the playoffs one year in League One of the Tisdale? Yeah, they did. Back that was the, the year we 2000s. went down. Yeah, the year we went down. Um, they came eighth, I think. I would, going back to what you asked me about the preview of the game, um, I think if ever they wanted to lay the ghost of Wembley 2023 to rest, Saturday the 15th of April is the perfect time to do it. Um, And I think this is their opportunity. Um, I understand what the lads are saying. I just worry that, although, as John says, we haven't put in two poor performances back-to-back, um, this isn't the sort of game I would want off the bat. 
going off the off the back of today's performance. Um, I expect it to be as brutal an atmosphere as they played in all season. They will be wanting revenge for what they what happened down here in October. I think they're from what I read, they're a different side now to what they were then. Caldwell's put his stamp on them. Um, they have a very good recent home record as well, um, which isn't ideal for us going there. As John says, you just hope that the they play it again, cliche, play the game, not the occasion. Um, play what's in front of you. The rest of it will take care of itself. There'll be a lot of um tension and aggression from the stands. Just go out there, play your best game. We've already seen once this season that our best performance is bet is better than what they've got in their locker. Um so one thing we will have to be is we'll have to be tighter at the back than what we were that night. Um and we'll have to be just as potent going forward as we were. Obviously, we're without Morgan Whitaker, who was a key part of that evening. Um, but look, they've they've beaten them once already this season. Um, they're going to have to do it again. I'm not going to say it's make or break for the season, but I really wouldn't want to come out of this with a negative result just with how few games are going to be left after it. I'm just feeling generally pessimistic tonight after that performance. So it's probably not the right time to ask me to preview Saturday. I don't know. There are five games after that, right? Um, and they're all against teams that we can beat, especially the, the three home games. We have a lot of points on the board. I don't think it's make or break. I don't think we should be approaching it in that way because I think therein lies a road to ruin. Um, I get that today's really frustrating. Let me put this question to you, to you Joe, I said this to Sam. If after the Barnsley game you've been offered nine points from the next twelve, uh, next twelve available, which is what we've got, would you have taken it? That, that's Accrington and Morecambe away, Forest Green at home, obviously before those two, and then today, I, I would have said yes. absolutely. Sorry, yeah, sorry, I was just, I was just trying to think because we obviously had that ridiculously long break, didn't we, in between yeah. league games? So, uh, yeah, of course we would have. Yeah, and that's what we got, and that's more than enough to come up if we can replicate that form going forward. Obviously, if we lose extra and then lose. A- Shrewsbury that's starting to get to be a problem but you know we've got license to have a couple of defeats in this run we've had one today that gives us a bit less leeway going forward and that's a shame but uh, but we can still lose at Exeter and have and have and have leeway um we you know we, we've put ourselves in a really great position I'll throw a question back to you would you have taken three points out of six from the Easter weekend um I guess now we're just slicing and dicing. I think the more relevant question is the one I asked you, to be honest. Um, no, but but I, I mean, I would have been disappointed with that because of the teams we're playing, but I wouldn't have been heartbroken about it. Well, I'm not heartbroken about it. I'm just saying that if if we're talking like that, like we're, we're looking at little mini-leagues here and um, we're but currently the in the last... The post-Barnsley mini-league is a more meaningful concept than the Easter weekend mini-league, is in my opinion. Like, if you'd offered me three points out of six off the back of two defeats, no, I would have said that's absolutely not good enough. But off the back of two wins, I would have said that's disappointing. It means losing to one of these teams who are below us in the league. But fine, we'll take it. We'll move on. One thing we do know for sure is that we've taken 83 points from 40 games and I would have taken that at the start of the season. I'm not I'm not on here crabbing where we are. Like I, I put out the tweet on Friday night that if we'd won today, we'd have been on 86 points with six games to go. Like We'd be in a ridiculous position. And we're on 83 points with six games to go and we're still in a ridiculous position. And somehow, at the end of today's games, even though it didn't look likely earlier on, we are still in the top two, have been since October or whatever the ludicrous 
thing is. Um, and it is very much in our hands to be League One champions this year. Um, and we need to hang on to that. We need to make sure that it's still in our hands. And while it's still in our hands, we are in an, a very strong position, given the same night that we play our game in hand at home to Bristol Rovers, Ipswich are playing Barnsley. That is, that is the night that they both that both those games are played. So as long as it's still in our hands by that night, I think we can all feel very comfortable about where we are on the table. As long as it's in our hands and not Brendan Galloway's very fragile hands, we should be fine. <laughs> Have I missed a joke here? Brendan Galloway has broken his hand and that's why he was out of it genuinely. I'm not even joking. Um, he banged into somebody or banged into something at Morecambe and they had to strap it up and he's broken his hand and they're looking at a specialist to see how long he'll be out for, whether they can strap it up. <laughs> As if the man couldn't have enough bad luck, he's now gone and broken his hand as well. On that positive note, more Joe's winning the league rather than Brendan Galloway's hand treat. I think we'll call that a night. Cheers, guys. Cheers, all. See you next week. Thank you. With that brings a close to another Green and White pod brought to you by Argyle Life. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, like on Facebook and keep up to date with all things Argyle by checking out www.argyle.life. As always with all listens, old and new, we really appreciate if you could leave a review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you found us. Every rating helps us beat that algorithm. See you next week. days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the same goes for mcdonald's maximize your home ground advantage with mcdelivery order now on the mcdonald's app at participating restaurants 18 plus serving times delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonald's.com this podcast is proud to be part of the talk sport fan network talk sport powered by fans